Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Saturday, September the 30th, 2023, the final day of September, the Feast of St. Jerome, and the 25th Saturday in Ordinary Time. A little bit of noise outside my window today. I don't have an actual studio where I do these recordings. Maybe someday when I'm making the big bucks, I'll get myself a studio. Um, But yeah, they're having a little celebration in the town where I live right now. A little fall celebration. Anyway, today's reading is from the Gospel according to St. Luke. I had it and it disappeared. Here it is. From the Memorial of St. Jerome. While they were all amazed at his every deed, Jesus said to his disciples, Pay attention to what I am telling you. The Son of Man is to be handed over to men. But they did not understand this saying. Its meaning was hidden from them so that they should not understand it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. So, we have a basic statement here today about Jesus' suffering. And then this little, and I wanted to focus on this today, the the final sentence of the reading, they didn't understand what he was talking about. Like we know that already, that they're not going to understand the cross. And even today, very few people really understand the cross. Even devout people don't fully understand the cross and what it all means. And we can talk about, that's a great sermon for another day, but I do talk about that a lot. I love to talk about Jesus's cross, the importance of understanding our own suffering but also being balanced in all that, realizing Jesus is the Savior and you are not. I am not. So we are not sadistic. We are not Jansenist. We still pursue happiness and joy in our lives. But yes, there are many crosses and we strive to understand what they mean and we strive to understand Jesus's cross better so that we can best unite with his, not so that we can suffer more, but so that he can take away our burdens as he says that he wants to do. God is the healer. Yahweh in the Old Testament is presented as Yahweh the healer. So that all being said, I want to talk about these hidden meanings. I don't know that this gospel was intended for the Feast of St. Jerome. I think it was just intended for Saturday in ordinary time. But St. Jerome dealt with hidden meanings. And his life has a lot of hidden meanings. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about his life a little bit. St. Jerome lived in the 400s AD, right around the time of St. Augustine. And St. Jerome was a priest. They said they were considering him for Pope at one point, but he was not elected because there was a thought that he might be involved in some scandal. Now we firmly believe as a church that that was not true, but at the time, they were confused about him. There were hidden meanings in his own life. St. Jerome was a monk. St. Jerome was a scholar. He is a father of the church and a doctor of the church. He's written a lot about scripture, helping us to understand scripture more deeply. And it's really great when we read the fathers of the church because they were closer to the time in which the gospels were written and they have great understanding about the meaning of the texts and even that, that area of the world, uh, that, you know, it's just, as time goes by, we lose context. So he also is known as, well, 
It's more than just being known as it. He is the man that translated the Bible from Greek to Latin. And the oldest living, the oldest copy of the Bible that we have in our world today is St. Jerome's Latin Bible. Um, this is where we get our, our scriptures from, whether you're Catholic or Protestant or whoever you are, this is where it goes back to. Greek texts written before St. Jerome have mostly been lost, have largely been lost. We have a few here and there. But the oldest existing Bible that we have comes from St. Jerome's translation of Greek into Latin. So we can talk about what the Hebrew Bible originally said based on translations of it that we have. We can talk about what the Greek Bible originally said when it was translated during the time of Alexander the Great, before the time of Jesus. Um, But we only know that because of St. Jerome's translations. So the oldest translation that we have is St. Jerome's Latin Vulgate. We call it the Vulgate. Vulgate meaning vulgar, not that it's disgusting. That's often how we use that word today. But no, vulgar meaning it was the common language of the people. He translated the Bible from the official language of the Roman Empire, which was Greek, because the Romans took over for the Greeks, from the Greeks. Um, And he put it in everyday language so that people would have a little bit better access to it. People didn't have Bibles in their homes because the printing press was still a thousand years away from being invented, more than a thousand years. But your local church would have had a Bible, your local whatever, you know, different people had Bibles. There were Bibles out there. People did a much better job at memorizing. People spent a lot more time in church. They didn't have the entertainment that we have today, the computers and the televisions and the movies and all those kinds of things. They might have gone to some sporting events here and there, but they spent a lot more time in church. Church wasn't just about feeling good and and saying a couple prayers. It was about, uh, you know, it had to do with entertainment. People went to be entertained. People went to learn. Church was a place where you learned, where you were taught. And the priests were, I mean, they didn't have schools yet at that point like we have now. They didn't have seminaries But still, there was a lot of education that went into a man being formed to be a priest and ultimately maybe becoming a bishop. So anyway, St. Jerome was a very intelligent man. Um, St. Jerome, one thing I love about St. Jerome is that he was a very emotional person, which wasn't always good. In some ways, it is good. You know, we have to learn to... um, I mean, this is a whole big realm now of Christian psychology, and I mean, it's found in different areas where we discuss the emotions. Pope John Paul opened up this discussion to a large degree. Our emotions are important. Some people are more Jansenist. They say, the, well, I don't think the people among us that <laughs> are Jansenists know even what that means. But there's a lot of people way too strict in their Catholicism, and they think emotions don't matter. Just do the right thing. Well, what is the right thing? Well, it's what I say it is. And who cares how you feel? Look, the canon law says this. Look, the catechism says this. I don't care about your emotions. Just do the right thing. Okay. All right. We want to know what the rules are, and we want to follow them to the best of our ability. But when ministering to people and even ministering to ourselves— We have to understand, okay, why am I committing this sin over and over again? Maybe there's an inner wound that needs to be healed. So how do we figure all that out? Through the emotions, understanding the emotions. How do we have better relationships? How do we better evangelize? Through the emotions. 
and just realizing the emotions are part of who we are. So I've preached on this before, and, and I will again. It's a very, very important thing to understand our emotions and how important they are. And we, as Dr. Conrad Barr said, who was a man that did tremendously good work, a Catholic psychiatrist in the past century, um, he said, we have to shepherd our emotions. We have to train our emotions the way that you raise a child. And that is with gentleness, with kindness, with love, but still not letting them run free. See, people get afraid. It's like the Vulcans in Star Trek. They're so afraid of their emotions and other people's emotions that they just want to repress and suppress them. And that's not what we're called to do as Christians. We're called to shepherd our humanity because <laughs> humanity is good. God made it. Jesus lived on earth and Jesus had emotions. And we see that in scripture. So St. Jerome was an emotional person. In some of his writings where he and St. Augustine would debate back and forth about different scripture passages, St. Jerome would sometimes get a little rough with them. I'm not saying that's always a good thing, but it's a little entertaining to see them, you know, critique each other and sometimes use harsh words. Um, Also, St. Jerome expressed a great deal his loneliness in living celibate life. And so he had a lot of female friends. And... You know, as we all go through our lives, this is just an interesting thing that needs to be discerned and needs to be directed with a good spiritual director exactly uh, what we're doing and why we're doing it with regard to our friendships. And I mean, of course, there's romantic friendships leading to marriage. There's certainly platonic friendships all over the place that we're encouraged to have. But then you have those male female friendships, and it's like, all right. Not everybody is Francis and Claire, and even Francis and Claire, I'm sure, had very good boundaries in place, and, and Francis and Jane DeSales, Francis DeSales and Jane DeChantel, and I'm sure many others, you know, there and, you know, we always go to the famous ones. What about just all the times that you have a rectory on one side of the church and a convent on the other side, and they need to work together, and they need to befriend each other in, a, in an appropriate, healthy way. And so ministering to our emotions is important. Anyway, getting back to St. Jerome, he had a lot of female friends and he, um, I believe he either attempted or he succeeded in founding a community of sisters. And these were women that he was good friends with. One was St. Paula and she had a daughter, St. Pauline. I think she had a couple other daughters as well. And um, I one time received a favor through the intercession of St. Paula Uh, and I received a sign that it was truly her interceding for me. So that was powerful. Um, St. Jerome and these sisters would write each other letters and they would express love for each other in these letters, but it wasn't romantic. It was platonic. It was spiritual. He was a spiritual father to them. And this is how I mentioned earlier, there was some potential scandal in his life. Well, people didn't understand that they saw he was friends with these women and they said, Oh, what's he doing? And we can't make him Pope because there's too much potential for scandal there, even though he was just so well known for his writing and preaching. Um, But at one point, and this is another reason I just, you know, I think of him as a great model for people today, Uh, never mind his love for scripture. And I want to get into that a little bit as well. But he wrote a letter to St. Paula, and I kind of find this funny But at the same time, there's a powerful lesson in it. This is early in his priesthood. He had become friends with this woman and he wrote her a letter. And I think she might have even still been married at the time Um, because, yeah, she had a daughter. She had a couple daughters and I think her husband died and then she became a sister. But he wrote her a letter saying, 
at nighttime, I get so lonely, I'm overwhelmed with temptation. And so I have decided when I can't sleep and I'm overwhelmed with temptation, instead of engaging those temptations, I'm going to take up a hobby. I'm going to start translating the Bible from Greek to Latin. Now, we all know how long the Bible is. So man, he must have had some temptations. And isn't it funny that the scriptures that we use, Catholic and Protestant, they all find their origin. The scriptures that we use today are translations of the St. Jerome Latin Vulgate, which he wrote because he was having sexual temptations when trying to fall asleep. (laughs) Very few people know that and very few people really want to hear that. But it's the truth. It's our humanity, and it's it's fallen humanity, but it's still good humanity that God made. Yes, it's fallen. So, okay, we have to work on that. We have to say, all right, what am I doing with these temptations? How am I going to deal with these? Where do I? Because if all we want to do is suppress and repress our emotions, guess what? We're going to still have trouble falling asleep every night. So did St. Jerome do the right thing by translating scripture? Well, thank God he did it because we have these copies now of the Bible that we might not have had otherwise because of his translation. However, uh, you know, what do we call that? Transference? I don't know if that's what transference is. I'm not a a psychiatrist, but he, uh, he channeled this energy from one place to another and it produced good fruit. Is that good advice when we're counseling people that are having bursts of tremendous energy that might take them in the wrong direction, such as sexual temptations, such as maybe violent temptations, temptations to anger, excessive anger, etc. Um, temptations to steal, temptations to lie. How do we channel that anger in, in better directions? Well, it's it's a good thing. You know, at the same time, if that's all we ever do, I guess this is my point. If that's all we ever do, then uh, we're not healing the wound that's causing perhaps the sin or the temptation. Uh, And that's always the ideal thing. Using a combination of psychology and spirituality, we can go deeper into examining ourselves and saying, now where is this wound coming from? And how can I invite Jesus and the Holy Spirit into this wound to heal that wound? How can I invite Our Lady to mother me through that place where perhaps I have never grown, through those places within me where I'm still very immature. Uh, Because that's what our wounds are. They're they're immaturity, you know, and it might not be our fault. It might be something that somebody did and we're just struggling and we don't know why we're struggling. So yes, uh, channeling that negative energy into doing something positive is a great thing, (laughs) but it's even better to strive to uh, heal the wounds. But yeah, St. Jerome, I love that about him. I just think it's great. And so he wrote a lot about the Bible and getting back to these hidden meanings. See, so I'm talking about the hidden meanings of his life and things that we didn't realize, but also in scripture, St. Jerome and other church fathers talked about how, and, and his writings are wonderful. I recommend looking him up, getting some of his writings, you know, where he has beautiful meditations and explanations of scripture. And he would talk about, and you see this when you read him or any of the other fathers of the church talking about scripture passages, there's so many hidden meanings in there. There's so much depth. It is the word of God. So therefore you have the meaning on the surface, but you also have so many other meanings 
There's, it goes so deep and it applies to your life and my life. So it's highly recommended we carry the Bible around. We have the Bible in our house. We read the Bible all the time. We examine passages. One of the reasons that I'm doing this podcast, even when I don't really have a ton of listeners yet, I want to work on that, But and I know I could step up my technology and things like that, but this challenges me to read the Bible and continue to just, you know, I mean, I might teach a scripture class here and there, but when I'm not doing that, I still want to be reading the Bible every day and I still want to be understanding it. And God is so good. The Lord speaks to me through the scriptures. I think he does that really with everybody. But he's given me a gift to, to know the scriptures, to love the scriptures. And I always try to go deeper. When I find a passage that I've read, it feels like I've read it a million times. I say, Lord, show me something here. Where, what, what do you want me to see here that maybe I haven't seen before? And, you know, God's mind is infinite. So there's... I would venture to say there's an infinite number of meanings in every Bible passage, especially for your particular life and my particular life. And in heaven, uh, there are those that say that we will never stop learning and growing in heaven. It will just be infinitely increasing because learning is a joy and there's going to be endless joy in heaven. So the word of God will just open himself up to us and itself up to us more and more and more for all eternity. So it's a joy. It's a joy to read scripture, to talk about it, to think about it, to pray about it. And my hope is, as I do these podcasts, you're listening and you're going deeper too. You're, you're thinking, well, you know, there's certain things that he didn't say. And there's certain things maybe that I need to meditate on. And hopefully there's things that I'm pointing out that will give you uh, more uh, material for your meditations and for your life. And I'm benefiting from it as well. And yes, so our Lord talks about things right there, even on the surface. There are, the gospel writer tells us the apostles don't understand. There's a hidden meaning in what Jesus is saying. It's kind of like when you're watching a movie and you know what's going to happen, but the people in the story don't. And you're screaming, go, don't go through that door. (laughs) You know, Uh, we need to be patient with the apostles as they're learning. And we learn to be more patient with ourselves in uncovering the hidden meanings in Scripture. So we ask the Lord for that grace through the intercession of Our Lady, the spouse of the Holy Spirit, that he will send us his Holy Spirit to always love the Scriptures more and more, to read them more and more, to understand them more and more, and always go deeper into all the beauty of the hidden knowledge that the Lord wants to share with us more and more and more for all eternity. Have a great day. God bless you.